Every time I hear about bees, I have to think about sci-fi movies and aliens. It just, <laughs> that's what it reminds me of. Yes. Well, I think that's where a lot of the inspiration for the sci-fi movies came from. Seems like it, yeah. Hi, everybody. This is episode 39 of the Get In My Garden podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Moskowitz, and today we learn about observational beehives with Dan Long, Georgia master beekeeper, bee hobbyist since 1995, and serious beekeeper since 2011. He is father of six and lives in Athens, Georgia, where he is owner of a nursery specializing in clematis. He talks about the different types of observational hives and the people who build these small movable hives to bring along to the farmer's market or to educational venues. He shares his favorite type of observational hive that fits right onto the windows in front of his house and some interesting details about bees and their life cycle that can be witnessed throughout the year with observational hives. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave positive reviews on iTunes or wherever you listen. So if you have six kids, I'm guessing that that has something to do with the move from regular hives to observational hives. Is that right? <laughs> well... I have a lot of older kids. They're they're grown. Um, they're uh, four of them are adults and out of the house. The two kids in the house, uh, they they've gone through uh, phases of being interested in beekeeping, but it's it it hasn't really held their interest completely. Uh, they do they do like the observation hives. Awesome. Well, so what is that? Because when you first mentioned it, I didn't really know what it was, and then I looked it up and I realized that there were some people that had hives that came into the house and you could see through glass. And that was just totally interesting. I don't know if that's exactly what you're doing. Right. Well, yes. Uh, in a lot of different ways. I actually, I run several different kinds of observation hives. And uh, they, they come in a lot of different configurations. They can be completely inside the house. They can be um, portable observation hives where a beekeeper would take them out uh, for educational purposes or entertainment, take them out to the public. Uh, and then... Uh, my my personal favorite is one that I designed that actually mounts to the outside of a large window. So you look out the window and you see the inside of the beehive, uh, but it's it's a lot easier to work with than than one that's mounted inside the house. That is so neat. And so the so you get to learn a lot about them, I'm guessing. Is there anything is that the main purpose of doing it that way? Uh, I'm a maker by nature. I like to build things. And, and so when I started working with an observation hive down at the local nature center, I'm, I'm their volunteer beekeeper. I just got a fascination for them and decided, well, I want to try to make one of my own and, and see how it works. And, Neat. and so I built it for that. And, and then the, the secondary benefit was just learning so very much more about my bees, you know, watching a, a newly emerged uh, bee come out of the, out of the comb. Uh, she has to, uh, she has to chew her way out all by herself. They, they won't help her. She has to be strong enough to do it herself. And then, and then you can, you can watch her eating away at the little capping of wax and then popping her head out and seeing if she can squeeze out yet. And then eating a little bit more and then pop out she comes. And amazingly, the very first thing she does is she gets into cleaning. That's the, the new adult bee's first job is to clean up after herself and other brand new bees. Wow. And then also um, watching a queen laying eggs. Uh, that's, that's a lot of, that's very cool to watch because uh, it's amazing that the queen can lay in season. She can lay up to 2,000 eggs a day. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, and so she'll just, she'll run around on the comb and she'll find a, a spot on the comb that's been cleaned up and ready to use and stick her abdomen down. And a few seconds later, she's laid the egg and she's moving on to the next one. That's amazing. So, I mean, that alone, it seems like the best way to do it. It's so interesting. Now, are they, are the bees sensitive to light? You know, most people think that they are, and so they'll make sure to put either a blocker board or blankets or sheeting of some kind of like a blackout material over the the glass or plastic portion of the observation hive. But I've found it actually isn't necessary that they really do get used to the light. Uh, now, that said, I wouldn't put them in a, in a very direct light. They'll shy away from that also. There is a chance of overheating the bees and even melting wax if you've got a really strong light. Like, don't don't put it on your patio, for sure. That makes sense. Gotcha. And so are you using, you obviously, you're a builder. You like to be able to see everything. It's, it seems so cool. But are you also uh, harvesting honey? Not usually. Uh, the observation hives are typically not large enough to, to get a good harvest. Um, to give you an example... Uh, we we talk in terms of number of frames in a hive. Uh, the frame is that that wooden rectangle with the comb built on, onto it. And um, a small observation hive will only be a couple of frames. A large one might only be eight frames. I see. Typically speaking, out in a bee yard uh, where you would normally raise your bees to harvest, you would have a minimum of eight to sixteen frames before you even started putting the honey boxes on top, things we call supers. I see. And so really they're, they're a little too small. They are a little harder to manage because they're, they're usually pretty small. Okay. Well, I just, you know, and that's just so cool. So you're doing it for the bees and to watch them and because it's such a fun thing to do, right? It, it's fun and, and it's a learning experience. Uh, and I, I also have one of the portable style, uh, they call them Ulster observation hives because the design came from over across the pond in, in the UK. They are basically a one frame sitting on a box with five frames in it. And you can take it with you and keep it for a day or so without having to open it up for the bees to fly. And so you can take it to a classroom situation and use that for, for teaching beekeeping program. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering about that if you were to take it around. So they can stay in there for a day. But beyond that, I'm guessing there are going to be some bees that have already left and they're going to be looking for their hive, right? Or other bees that need yeah, out. Yeah, they definitely, quickly. they need to get in and out. They have to, um, well, bees poop. Uh, they do eventually have to get out and poop. They can hold it for a very long time. Uh, but it's more about in order to, for them to continue to bring in resources for the hive, nectar and pollen and such. Uh, so you can keep them in one of those for a little while, but they have a little opening. Mm. So you can actually set them back out into your bee yard and open up that opening and let them go for a little while and then come back and take them on the road again. That's a bit of a simplification, to be honest. There, there is a little bit more. You have to do some maintenance in between, but that's that's the idea behind so it. So cool. Now, do bees like the plants that you're growing at your nursery? Uh, some of them. Mostly honeybees are, are not particularly attracted to clematis, uh, being that that's our specialty. Uh, it's kind of, kind of funny that we have all these beehives around the nursery, and yet they will uh, visit them if they're really, really hurting for something. If there is no, say, for example, blackberry or buckwheat or crimson clover or Dutch clover, all their, their big hit favorites 
that they really love aren't available, the foragers will come and visit the Clematis. Wow. And so how much does it cost? I know that, I mean, people probably are curious if they're not, you know, serious beekeepers and they want to get started. How does it, how much does it cost to get started with a simple observational hive? Well, you can buy complete units uh, for um, you know, 800 to a thousand dollars. I mean, they're, they're, they're very impressive and extraordinarily well built. Uh, but that's, you know, pretty, pretty exotic cost there uh, for most people. Um, yeah. But you know, for an institution of some sort of a public uh, or, or a school or something that's within budget. But for most of us homeowner types, you can really build your own pretty easily. Uh, in fact, the one that I mount on my window, I really love because there's no glass to buy. You've already got the glass of the window. So basically, it's a wooden frame with an insulated door on the back. Mm -hmm. It's actually really a simple design. Uh, so I think that material, the material costs on that were probably $50 at most. That's awesome. Well, I've turned my whole backyard into a sanctuary for pollinators, and I'm considering that. It sounds like a really cool idea. Oh, that, that's great you're doing that. I'm trying to think. I Not knowing much about, I'm, I'm honestly not someone who knows that much about bees, even though it's a part of my the mission of my podcast. I'm more into soil and things like that. But what else can you think of that people should know about bees? Well, certainly with, with the observation hives, if you are already a beekeeper, you can really get a handle of what's going on in the beekeeping year by watching your observation hive. You know, you don't, you don't have to suit up and get the smoker fired up and walk out to the bee yard and crack them open. You can literally just grab a cup of coffee and sit next to your observation hive and watch what they're up to and learn, well, is, is pollen starting to come in? Well, what's the color of that pollen? So what's blooming? You can often tell, oh, okay, it's maple season. All right, this is the early, the early pollen coming in. Uh, or, okay, now it's, it's the crimson clover down the road is, is in, and that's going on. And you can watch, most importantly, I think, uh, would be the, the buildup of the brood at the early part of the season. And then, also very important, would be the beginning of the nectar flow. The nectar flow is when it's, it's kind of a bell curve event where things really start to pick up. If you are not managing your bees out in your bee yard when the flow hits, you're going to lose an opportunity to gather a lot of honey, and you're also going to get a lot more swarming. Mm. So you can actually see what's happening right away while hanging out in your pajamas in your living room. And I love that about it. That is so cool. So when they're swarming, does that mean that they're kind of they're at capacity and they're going to create another hive right that is the natural reproductive cycle of the superorganism known as a honeybee colony so does that mean that they're leaving behind completely the existing hive well what will happen is uh the the workers will come to the decision it's a very democratic process uh the workers will they'll decide okay uh things are feeling a little cramped uh hey the nectar flow is beginning things are looking good the weather's right they will begin to slim the queen down. They'll stop feeding her quite as much. They will also create queen cells to replace that queen. And then they will take her out into the air with her. So about half of the colony leaves with the existing queen. Right. And the other half, the other half is left behind with a bunch of resources, including a handful of queen cells 
to, so that that colony can live on. Every time I hear about bees, I just cannot, I have to think about sci-fi movies and aliens. It just, <laughs> that's what it reminds me of. Yes. Well, I think that's where a lot of the inspiration for the sci-fi movies came from. Seems like it. Yeah. Well, so if you've got your observational hive and then you have honey hives out of your yard, can you time everything according to what you see in the visible hive? Not exactly, but it gives a good feel. Every every hive and every queen is a little bit different. And so some say if I'm if I'm counting it at like I'm making milestone markers in my observation hive, some of the hives out in the big yard are going to be ahead of that, some of them are going to be behind that. But it is you can watch for for trends for sure. Great. And do you is there something that you've noticed? Can you see something going wrong really easily? and stop it if it's in a hive like this? Because I've heard a lot of things about problems that can happen and, you know, obviously the mites or whatnot, but right. you would be able to see that right away, right? Well, you can you can certainly see if you have a small hive beetle infestation that's getting out of hand, you can definitely start to see, uh, you can see mites if you don't take good care of your hive on the same way you can you can see things like deformed wing virus building if, if you're not taking care. I treat pretty carefully, so I, I don't really see a whole lot of that, but yeah, you know, it is, it is obviously, yeah, you can see when things are starting to go badly. And as far as like every time somebody with a regular hive goes out there, puts on the suit, smokes them and gets a good look in there, that's putting them in a, under a lot of stress, right? Uh, somewhat. They are, um, they are little tiny brained insects, so they get over it. Yeah. Uh, but it's not really bad as long as you're not damaging them in the process of inspection. You know, if you're, if you're killing a bunch of bees, if you're rolling them, if you're spilling a lot of honey, uh, if obviously if you damage the queen, that's really bad. Um, but they, they get over it. If you're out there inspecting once a week, if you're careful, it's, it's there's no harm in that. Well, very cool. Let's see. I mean, you gave us a great overview already. So what else does the world need to know? Well, if, if you are a beekeeper and you want to sell more honey, taking an observation hive with you to sales is a really great Ooh, that's thing. That's great. It draws people in like mad. If you, you, know, you could have you could have a hundred jars of gorgeous honey on the table, but if you've got an observation hive, like one of those Ulster style ones I was talking about, it draws people in. They just, they love to do that. They love to look for the queen and that sort of thing. And if you are, if you're teaching, it's a great opportunity for that as well, to be able to take them with you. Or if you have a public facility of some kind, mounting a permanent observation hive in that is a great educational tool. It's a great uh, conversation starter. You know, I have it here at the nursery, and just anytime anybody walks into the office, they immediately walk over to the window where the hive is mounted. That is awesome. I think that would be so cool at a farmer's market stand. As you mentioned, I mean, just people would flood over to see it. But yeah, I'm thinking where that could work where I live. So there's a huge beekeeping movement here, you know, in very different plants than where you live, no doubt. But right. I don't know anywhere where I can look into a hive here. Yeah, you know, they're they're really terrific. Um, I, I'm I'm surprised you don't see more of them if there's like a locavore movement and farmers markets and things like that happening. Any beekeeper would do much better having one of them with them. Now, granted, it is extra work. But I think they're the ones there selling selling honey for me when I take one. That's cool. Thank you so much. I'm super grateful. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the show. Please subscribe and leave positive reviews if you'd like to support us and share your favorite episodes on social media and within relevant Facebook groups. I'm really grateful to all the people who have reached out with great ideas and feedback 
and those who have offered support as the show has developed. Dan Long will be back with more interesting bee content in the future, and the next episode of the Get In My Garden podcast will feature returning guest Dylan Martin to share more very special and interesting mycology-related subject matter. 